Welcome to Disruptors, the podcast for bright sparks fueled by great ideas that have changed the world. In each episode, we chat with some of the most innovative disruptors from our community at the King's Entrepreneurship Institute. We discover how they've used their entrepreneurial skills to develop their ideas for their business ventures, tested those ideas, and compelled others to do the same. Hi everyone and welcome back to Disruptors. Today I am here with Nitya and Shreya who are the co-founders of CoolZen. Welcome guys. Thank you. Thank you for for giving us your time today. Um, We're going to be talking a little bit about your journey as entrepreneurs and your journey with CoolZen. Would you mind straight off the bat giving our listeners an introduction to yourselves and your company? Uh, Yeah, so uh, I'm Shreya. A recent graduate from King's did biomedical engineering, and I'm working with Nithya on a very cool femtech product. Um, it's aimed at alleviating uh, hot flushes in menopause for women. Awesome. How how does it do that? <laughs> so essentially, our device um, detects a hot onset of a hot flush, and um, magically, with our patented technology, uh, provides relief to the woman and um, ends up cutting off the cycle of the hot flush. Uh, hence allowing the women to continue with a day without any disruption. That's really cool. I imagine it's going to be helpful to a lot of a lot of people. I wonder if you take us back to the beginning of your journey for a minute and as being biomedical engineering students at King's, how did how did you identify this is a problem that you wanted to work on, first of all? I think our journey started when we started working with Professor Prashant Jha, who is the head of affordable technologies at the BMEIS at King's College London. And he has a very unique uh, problem-solving process and innovation process, which is called 5D. The 5D process um, starts off by uh, discovering a problem and then defining constraints around it, designing a solution uh, for the problem, developing it, and finally deploying it in the commercial market. So we went about it in a similar fashion. We spent over six months uh, discovering uh, multiple unmet clinical needs in different uh, sectors of healthcare, uh, ranging from cancer, uh, femtech, um, cardiac problems, everything that could there could be. And we kind of stumbled upon uh, menopause in our journey of finding a problem. And we realized how under-researched and uh, the lack of technology in the field was. And that's when we decided that maybe this was a problem that um, kind of deserved us to spend a little bit more time delving into and find a solution for, which is what we did. And when we looked at menopause itself, menopause is huge. It has so many symptoms, 34 to be accurate. So we kind of went about speaking to menopausal women, uh, doctors, uh, specialists in the field. And that's how we stumbled upon hot flashes. and, And then from there, we just kind of, uh, found a solution to the problem that everyone was facing. Amazing. What did you, what was your, the biggest surprises for you that you found in starting to speak to the women that were experiencing these problems? I think the biggest problem is still the fact that a lot of women believe that um, it's almost okay that they don't have solutions or that they're kind of on this one lane street to just directed towards HRT, but HRT is not really an option for everybody. Um, And there's, especially from our country in India, there's kind of a let me suffer in silence attitude that we really were shocked by. Um, But I think things are changing because, 
you know, more and more celebrities are talking about it. There's more uh, support groups coming up and there's kind of a femtech wave, I guess, happening. So um, I guess now, especially in Western countries, women are more comfortable uh, stepping up and saying, hey, no, this problem should stop. I want to solve this for myself. And yeah, that's that's the kind of people we want to cater to. Yeah, I think that's so true. I mean, there's a quite an old fashioned term, isn't there, about women's problems and that they happen behind closed doors and are only to be to kind of discussed in private. And actually women, surprise, surprise, are half of the population. If their problems are being underserved, that's a huge potential market in an entrepreneurial uh, kind of sense. So I, yeah, I wondered from your perspective in terms of, OK, you've identified your problem and you'd learned more about it. What did the road ahead from going from, okay, we're, we now understand this is a problem to where you are now? What were the kind of key milestones, do you think, and where, where have you got to at the moment? So I think right after identifying the problem, what we did was we took a very user-centric approach. So the solution that we created wasn't just out of me and Shreya. It was the minds of 300, 400 women who all came together to give their opinions about the design of the device, how it should function, how they would like it to look, how long they would like to wear it. Every single aspect of it was discussed with women itself. So it's a product that was created for women and that's what we wanted to do. So uh, right now we're at a stage where we've developed the entire design with in the process of uh, obtaining intellectual property for it and just getting together uh, and raising our first round of funding as well so we can get started with the next process, which is essentially running um, a pilot study where a couple of hundred women can test out the device, let us know what they feel about it, what we can change about it, uh, get some data about the efficiency of it, how well it's performing, et cetera, and use that to get um, any other uh, certifications we require so we can essentially launch commercially, which we're looking at by the end of the year, next Amazing. year, so 2022. 2022. I mean, that's quite a short timeline for, for a, essentially a medical device, right? They usually those processes take quite a long time. You guys have managed to come a long way in a short space of time. I wondered if we kind of wind back a little bit again, because you guys came through Idea Factory with the Entrepreneurship Institute this time last year. Um, so I wondered if you could kind of take us back to that point in your journey and how idea factory impacted the development of your idea at that stage yeah for sure i think for us idea factory was kind of the first competition that we we applied to with Colzen as a proper idea and so it was the first time that we actually uh looked into things like what else goes we know about our technology we know the science but there's so much of uh other things that go into this pitch deck that we have no idea about so even even something as simple as our go-to-market strategy, I think um, we 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 remade our slides <laughs> easily 50, 60 times, just that one slide. Um, but I think what Idea Factory gave us was um, it gave us the opportunity to really look into and learn about all these different facets of starting a business in 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 a very kind of it was a starting point for us. And then um, of course, winning was was amazing. It was just a confidence booster to just um, you know keep going and uh, get this out to women. Um, but yeah, uh, it was it was a great experience. I can't believe it was it was just this year. Yeah, I think just to add to that, I think what we loved about the Idea Factory so much was the fact that 
considering that we are both engineers, there's only so much experience we have in the business field. So we know all about the product, we know all about the problem. And like Shreya said, we didn't know much about anything else. So the entire process of going through a boot camp, meeting so many experts, all of that helped us so much in kind of understanding what it would take to essentially get this into a real commercial product. So it took us from thinking about it as a research project that we did in university to something that we're going to pursue full time. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think one of the things that we tried to get across is even if you don't end up winning, which well, doesn't apply to you guys because you smashed it, um, <laughs> that the process that you go through in terms of getting all of your ducks in a row and putting a pitch deck together in, in and of itself is, is helpful. And I think you guys were great examples of taking on board the lessons and doing, you know, not thinking about validation as a tick box exercise, but something that's really going to make you experts in your, in your problem area. And that really, that really came through to us. What was the bit that you found most challenging? You said, obviously, there was different areas you had to learn about as business. You were engineers. Was there a particular part that really stumped I you think, a little bit? Um, let me take a shot. I think the one of the biggest problems that we faced was because we're young entrepreneurs. So for us, um, that meant that we went to a lot of people for advice. And that meant we had 200 different opinions from different people and it was kind of navigating all of them and still kind of sticking to what what Nitya and I wanted for the company not just as not just our vision for the company but just even the smallest details of it I think every step of the way we had um, you know we had option a b c d to choose from and um, I think what we learned a lot was um, take advice from everyone but you know um, be objective and at the end of the day don't forget what you want for your company um, but apart from that, I think fundraising, but Nithya, you don't want to talk about that. Yeah, I think um, in terms of what has been difficult, I think one thing very initially was kind of hard to get our heads around was a lot of technical jargon because it's not something that we come across every day. And people talk in this jargon and we're nodding our heads like we understand, but we really didn't. Now we do, which is good, but we didn't initially. And that was very hard to understand uh, to begin with. But I think once we got our head around all the concepts surrounding something as simple as like dilution or, you know, how stocks work and how pre-money, post-money and everything are under the sun works, I think it's been quite a challenge to actually raise money. It's not that easy to convince someone to put uh, their hard-earned money into something as risky as what we're doing because we love the device, we love the problem, but it's, it is a task to con convince someone else to love it as much as we do, which um, we are, we are uh, successful at it, we're getting through it, and hopefully we'll close around by the end of the year. That will be amazing. How did you find pitching? People always find this a, a, a difficult topic to, to talk about, and I'm always interested in what people say, because some people love it, and other people hate it. And I wonder what your kind of personal reflections had been on going through Idea Factory as that being such a pinnacle part of the final pitch off and having to put together a kind of final mm -hmm. polished pitch, which you clearly were very success at, successful <laughs> at. Um, but I wondered what the kind of personal experience of that had been for you. Yeah, I can take a shot. Um, I think personally for me, I loved it because I really love talking in front of people and that's just um, the kind of person I was. So I think pitching just gave me that forum to really express our problem and show how passionate we were 
about everything that we've worked so hard in creating over the last almost 15 months, which is when at the point at which we had entered Idea Factory. So I think I loved it. And I think the bootcamp kind of helped uh, me polish that, polish all that passion in the, in the right way and deliver it in a format that everyone would un understand me. But yeah, I absolutely loved it. I think um, for me, the most enjoyable, so I love stories. I love telling stories, listening to stories. So for me, that's what, that's how I always see pitching. It's about just conveying a story from beginning to finish in a very concise way um, to people who may not even understand the field that you're talking about. So um, in that way, for sure, working with Jenna um, with our boot camps um, was so helpful because I think um, she was, she's so clear about what she, what she wants us to say or what she wants us to get across to our audience. So um, yeah, it was a lot of, um, lot of hours that me and Nitya spent just kind of pitching, pitching. It was a practice, I think. At the end of the day, it's just practice more than anything else. It's practice until you get confident enough that you really know what you're talking about. Um, but once you get on stage and once you get over that initial, oh my God, there's so many people, how am I going to do this? Once you actually start pitching, it just comes naturally. It's, you yeah. forget everyone and it's just you and your, your pitch. That's it. Yeah, I think it's the adrenaline rush that you get standing up on stage yeah. and like talking about something that you really love. So yeah, yeah. we, are, we had a lot of for, fun with it. For us, we spent, especially because yeah. we got to do it together, it's like you always have someone there to like, you know, even if even if something goes wrong, there's someone there. So there's always that um, safety net as well. So it's super fun doing it together. That's really, really interesting, I guess. How would you, I'm, I'm going to uh, use this as an opportunity to ask about your partnership, because you guys have been co-founders from day one. Like this yeah. became, came from both of you equally. How would you describe the way that you work together as a team? Yeah, I think um I think it's all about I think it's all about the way I guess we complemented each other in a way and I think we also have a lot of similarities so we got along not only about I guess the vision that we had for ourselves in life and the careers that we wanted but also in terms of just people so we became really good friends so I think that helped a lot with the way we worked so we were easily able to understand each other we were able to communicate well and get our work done because we had very similar work ethics. So that worked in our favor. I think if I had to add to that, I would say um, we were also um, experiencing very similar things together. So um, I think for us, um, like we, we were on the same course. Um, so our, um, even if our interests slightly um, you know, comp they complemented each other a little differently, but I think we we learned in the exact same way. So that kind of um, for sure added to the way we work together. And like she said, we became friends first. So, so um, that was good because um, I mean, so many of this is just foreign to us both. So it's always nice to just have someone who's just as clueless as I am. Um, but everyone else is just <laughs> talking about things we don't really understand. Yeah. Well, it's nice. It's nice to see the way that you've kind of both come in, come into your own on on these different different things because you know it's been it's been a while since we've known each other now. So it's been nice to be able to see to see the idea and the team team grow along alongside. Um, 
I'm interested in something that we place a lot of emphasis on at the Entrepreneurship Institute, which is around ethical and sustainable disruption. Because I think in med tech, it's particularly interesting because I think something is happening in entrepreneurship where you're either, you're kind of either categorized as a sustainable business. And that's largely to do with the product or service that you're actually offering. But we've sort of started to think about it a bit differently in that every business has a responsibility to be sustainable and ethical in the way that they are using resources and the way that they're operating. And you were guys were the first cohort to go through Idea Factory where we actually asked you a question in the application form around your plans around sustainability and how you were thinking about that as a company. And I wonder whether you could talk to us a little bit about your think your thinking around Call Zen and its approach to sustainability, how it links into that as a topic and your plans for it going forward. Yeah, so um, for our team, we had to think about sustainability a little differently. Um, uh, because uh, we weren't really sure um, how it would, if we just thought about it from an environment's perspective, um, we weren't really sure we were being, um, yeah, we w- weren't just sure how to go ahead with it. So I think we went to the UN Sustainable Development Goals. So out of the 17 goals, um, Kulzen is tackling around three. Um, so we, we're all about, you know, improving um, the gender inequality um, we're, we're working to improve health and we're also working to um, stimulate innovation. Um, and apart from this, I think just incorporating sustainable design strategies um, throughout our development cycle. So um, sourcing, uh, sourcing sustainably as well as um, incorporating um, environment-friendly risk assessments to our device when we do go into our uh, pilot studies, um, you know, how we ha- how we how we get our raw material how can we minimize uh, the damage we do there so um, those are just some things that we are focusing on in terms of sustainability and um, we're completely aligning ourselves with the UN goals because for us it gives us a lot of structure to just uh, focus on uh, three different things that we've picked and we can just put all of our focus on just getting those done instead of um, we felt we were being a bit vague before that but yeah I hope that answers your question. Yeah, definitely. Nitya, was there anything you wanted to add in that? Yeah, I think with um, I think the only thing I would talk about in terms of ethical disruption and sustainability is again, like Shreya mentioned, we took a very kind of um, backward approach to it because we essentially thought about it after we created our solution, only because we didn't understand the implications of sustainability in the med tech field. And I think just apart from tackling the various sustainable goals what we realize is that we actually want to create a system where we're able to give back in the sense that uh, we actually came up with an idea that once um, Cool Zen was used by a woman for say two years and um, she was not facing symptoms anymore, she could send us back her device and we could refurbish it and uh, send it out again to uh, people who can't afford it essentially. And that would mean that the device would remain in rotation and would not end up in landfills. Um, so that's something that we have thought about as well. And we really want to implement when we're in a position to do that logistically. I think that's really interesting that you're you know, thinking more in terms of kind of circular economy, that even as creating a product obviously uses raw materials, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that device then has to become 
waste over it after its kind of initial lifespan. So I think you guys have come into it with a really broad and open mind around the different ways that you can think about sustainability. Um, because I think sometimes med tech kind of excuses themselves and says, oh no, sorry, we can't, we just can't even enter into that conversation because so much of med tech has to be disposable around, you know, managing infection and all those different kinds of things that actually you're in a quite a great position to think about what can we do rather than what can't we do and how can we have a bit of a different approach to this? So I think that's really admirable that you've, you've had that level of thinking so early on. I'm interested in the, in the, your journey as med tech entrepreneurs, because you're now in a cohort on the King's 20 Accelerator with a lot of companies who aren't med tech. And I wondered, um, coming in from that as being biomed students who have then come onto the accelerator surrounded by companies who aren't necessarily medically focused, what you've kind of realized the key differences are for you as entrepreneurs having to navigate med tech as opposed to other sectors. I think uh, I can just start off. I think one difficulty with MedTech is definitely the regulations surrounding it. So uh, since it is regarding healthcare and someone's well-being, it is uh, it is of much more importance that your device meets every health and safety standard that is, and it doesn't negatively impact anyone's life. And uh, it is a big uh, risk that we take when we're handing someone a device because if anything goes wrong, that's on us then. And um, it is a responsibility that we're uh, partaking and that's not the same for any other sector, say e-commerce or something like that. You're not playing with someone's life. Uh, so I think that's one of the biggest, I guess, differences. How have you found navigating those kind of regularities so far? So I think up until now, uh, it's not been uh, as complicated because something that we defined very early on that we want to do is create something that would be available to a consumer directly. So essentially over the counter. And that would mean that that is a device or a product that has the least requirement for any kind of safety regulation. So it's as easy as buying a thermometer. That's our, that was what our aim was when we were creating a solution. Uh, do not make it difficult for someone to reach it. And that could only be the case if we kind of created something that was very easy to use and was not invasive at all. Um, I'll let Shreya continue. Uh, yeah, no, I think uh, Nitya covered most most of it. Um, for sure, for us, it was um, about the regulations, especially because a lot of healthcare solutions today are digital health solutions, whereas we are a hardware product. So um, just in terms of timeline, that would, that's, that's just, that take longer. Um, fundraising becomes uh, more difficult um, because it requires more capital. So I think um, another interesting aspect was identifying the right VCs and angels to speak to, because um, a lot of people are interested in healthcare, but a lot of people are interested in digital healthcare. So, um, you know, navigating those questions around development of a hardware product um, and the technology. So um, that's been something that um, I think we have been going through that we haven't seen um, maybe others on our cohort not, not do it. Yeah, definitely. I think um, obviously as you were saying, you have a lot of responsibility in, in med tech, right? You are playing with people's health, which is, you know, we're, we're talking at a time when 
the Theranos CEO is going through her court <laughs> trial, right? Um, this is a very relevant, relevant topic of somebody who got that so, so wrong um, and didn't understand the, the gravity of the importance of looking after people's health and making sure that you're doing that in a really ethical um, and regulated and regulated environment. So I think, and that can put additional pressure on in terms of fundraising earlier potentially than other companies yeah. need need to in order to be able to go through yeah. those regulations and things. I wondered, so the, you mentioned a little bit about you're hoping to launch by the end of 2022. Um, if you could talk us through a little bit more of what does that year look like for you? What's going to be happening in the year leading up to launch? Yeah, uh, so we are going to do just product, product, product. Um, that's going to be um, all we do next year. So right now we are a few weeks away from uh, our final MVP. So um, and we are currently, um, our next step would be to run a formal pilot study. Um, so this is when the device's wearability, usability, and you know, um, personal opinions from our potential customers. Um, and uh, we'll take all of this in. Um, we're going to apply for our regulatory certifications, but also at the same time, go back, take this feedback, maybe tweak a few things about the product itself. Um, and this is a good, this is going to take a good three to four months, I think. And um, once we get our CE mark, that allows us um, access to the UK and European markets. Um, and from there on, it's just building out inventory. Um, and then we go into our official launch. Um, so that's, we're expecting it to be. Uh, we're expecting it to happen within by Christmas 2022, but um, so let's see. That's the timeline that we've set for ourselves. Yeah, I think just to add to that, apart from just building on the product and going through all the required protocols for it, another thing that we want to do through the year is essentially build out a, a community of women that will essentially be part of our mobile app platform because schools and goes hand in hand with a, an app which women can use and essentially share their experiences with each other, learn from each other, and hopefully we can provide some peer-reviewed uh, information and um, along with clinical partners that, uh, who, who have uh, menopause specialists and uh, partner with them so they can give out information as well so women are well-informed about any decision they take. Awesome. Sounds like you've got a busy, busy year ahead. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. I wonder on, on, I guess, I coming on a personal note of things that you guys are hoping for for your for yourselves and for CoolZen going forward. If we extend that that timeline a bit further, say five years, mm -hmm. where are you? Where are you hoping that CoolZen will be at that point? And on a more personal note, where would you hope <laughs> that you guys are in relation to that? I think with CoolZen. Um, in five years, it won't be just cool then. Um, we're, we'll be having a lot more products. Um, so our vision as a company is to uh, completely cater to a woman's entire life cycle in terms of her healthcare needs. So we're just starting with the menopause, but we have plans to, um, you know, we have plans for our next product and the one after that. So I think our vision as a company is to kind of become a woman's companion and support her through all stages of her life, um, menstruation, menopause, um, and then beyond the menopause as well. So um, that's where we hope to see ourselves in five years as a company. 
Yeah, and I think on a personal note, I think uh, apart from uh, hoping to grow this as much as possible and take it to women all around the world and not just UK and Europe that we plan to reach initially, I think it would be very interesting for us to, as a learning curve as well, because we would have learned so much and navigated through so many hurdles. I think just as individuals, we would have grown a lot more than we would have ever learned or done if we probably joined another company to do exactly the same thing, even if we were doing medical device innovation. Uh, me and Shreya have tackled not just engineering, product, um, software development, we have tackled everything, legal, finance, business development, uh, HR, everything that there is to do. So I think that is the biggest takeaway. Awesome. And you said uh, it, it had gone incredibly quickly that it was uh, a year ago that you guys were starting to think about an idea factory application uh, it has gone incredibly quickly and we are going into another round of this competition so I wondered if you guys have any advice for the people that are in uh, your shoes a year ago thinking that they've got an idea they're starting to work out how to do their validation and are planning on submitting an application what would you say to those people I think um, before someone, I guess, jumps into their idea, I would tell them to go fall in love with the problem, learn as much as there is to know about it. And if they come up with someone or something, they should give it a shot because I think Idea Factory was a perfect platform for us to give it our first shot at any kind of ideation competition and get some validation about what we're doing. And not just about the validation, all the help, all the advice that we got from um, Theo from Jenna, I think all of that really helped in understanding what we were doing better. So I think that is definitely worth a shot. Yeah, um, definitely agree with the fall in love with the problem. Um, but I think another thing that I would say is go all in as entrepreneurs, you just have to take that leap and go all in. So um, we were students when we started this journey, we had a million different, um, you know, doubts but we we did go all in and we gave it we gave it our complete 100 percent so um just be just just have the don't i don't i don't think we should we should we should uh, have any fear about you know lack of experience our age or where we are in um in life i think as long as you go all in and you give it your best shot it's gonna work out awesome i think that's a very positive Note, note to end on I just want to say a massive thank you to you both as busy entrepreneurs that you've taken time out of your day to come and speak to us and share your wisdom and some of your experience with our with our listeners so thank you very much I wish you the best of luck for the next year in the lead up to launch if somebody is interested in Cool Zen and what you guys are up to where is the best place for them to stay up to date uh, either on our Instagram which is we are cool Zen or you can also contact us through our website, which is um, coolzen.co.uk. Either you'll reach us and you'll have a response from us immediately. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate you talking to us uh, and we'll see you soon. Thank you so Thank much, you. Rachel, for having us. To find out more about the Entrepreneurship Institute, visit www.kcl.ac.uk forward slash entrepreneurship.